Good afternoon and welcome to Bible Quest TV, the Wednesday edition. We're really glad that you're able to join us this afternoon. With us as always, we have Jeff Smelser from Exxon, Pennsylvania. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, good afternoon, Chase. And we have Joe Works back with us this week up in Elmira, New York. How you doing, Joe? How was Florida? Uh, Florida was warm and Elmira is cold. <laughs> okay, well, we hope you're doing okay. We hope you're not frozen, but we are happy you're back. So, Thank you. Uh, guys, I've got an interesting topic for us today. Um, I, I want us to talk a little bit about the dinosaurs this afternoon. Dinosaurs! Uh, yeah, that's right. Dinosaurs. Everybody loves dinosaurs. Just this past Saturday, I was at a uh, two-year-old's or three-year-old's birthday party from church here. You know what the theme was? Dinosaurs. dinosaurs. That's right. Yeah, my nephew's turning four in a couple weeks. I think some His people theme. think I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is a common uh, it is a common thing that people love movies, books, everything about it. Kids meals at at restaurants, everything is about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And so, not too long ago, when when I was in high school, there was a guy that I talked to for a little bit who was an atheist and he was a skeptic. And one of the things he asked me, he, he he in our conversation about evolution and about creationism, he said, "But what about the dinosaurs? Yeah, <laughs> you know, what about the di- what are you Christians?" have to say about the dinosaurs? What's your logical explanation for that? And so that's what I want to talk about today. But do you guys have any questions or or any uh, thoughts in general about any of this? Yeah, it's really interesting how just just the word dinosaur to so many people means evolution has to be true. Uh, I, you know, I I mentioned to you earlier, Chase, we were talking and uh, when I was young, I got to be a part of a, a little dinosaur bone hunting expedition. There was a man up in Alberta, Canada, who was uh, experienced in this, and and uh, we got to go out there, and and we found a number of dinosaur bones, and uh, brought them back to our house in Illinois, and kept them for years. I'm not sure whatever happened to all of them, but uh, you know, I believe dinosaurs existed. But that the fact that dinosaurs existed doesn't mean that uh, evolution is true and that God doesn't exist. Yeah, and, and the other interesting thing, and by the way, if you're listening, uh, we would encourage you to leave comments on the Facebook page in the Zoom app or call in if you have a question. Uh, we'd love to have as many comments or questions that you have and hope to get to all of them. But, you know, the other interesting thing to me is, is a lot of people think that Christians don't, don't believe in dinosaurs or have some kind of crazy or funny idea about them. Look, I, I'm a Christian. I don't I'm not acting like dinosaurs aren't real. It's actually quite the contrary. I do believe dinosaurs are real, and I do believe the Bible has some things to say about that. And so, before, before you go on, um, the, I guess the thing that people have in mind is dinosaurs necessarily had to live a long time uh, before men. They're supposed to have died out 65 million years ago, we're told, and, and men didn't live back then. There was a um, When my daughter was in, I think it was sixth grade, uh, in her elementary school, um, the teacher asked her class, how many of you believe dinosaurs and people lived at the same time? Her two best students raised their hand. that They believed that dinosaurs and people lived at the same time. And one of those was our, our daughter. And the, the teacher was aghast that any of her students, let alone her two best students, would believe such folly that man and dinosaurs lived at the same time. And so she made fun of them and the whole class got the whole class laughing at them and that idea. Well, naturally, uh, my wife and I went down to have a conversation with the teacher and the teacher, um, the teacher uh, said, uh, well, 
obviously dinosaurs and people did not live at the same time. And we said, well, how do you know that? Now, keep in mind, my wife ha has a degree in biology and a minor in chemistry. And we're sitting there talking with a sixth grade school teacher who probably had a degree in education and may have taken a couple of science courses along the way. And uh, so she was just adamant. It's been proven. And we said, well, on what basis do you say that? And uh, the woman said, I read it in the newspaper. Whoa. <laughs> Were you sold, Jeff? <laughs> but this, this is the level of, of, of scientific knowledge that so many people have who are certain that they know what science has proven and hasn't proven. Yeah. And, and this, this gets into a very important discussion on evolution because a lot of evolutionists, they will readily admit that their arguments hinge on their fact, what they call a fact, that dinosaurs long pre-existed humans. And in fact, they're separated by millions upon millions of years. Um, this is a quote I have. Um, from uh, a, a book on abusing science, the case against creationism, a leading uh, evolutionist, if you will, Philip Kitcher. This is him on if solid evidence for the coexistence of dinosaurs and humans existed. He says it would shake the foundations of evolutionary theory because, of course, the dinosaurs are supposed to have been long extinct by the hominid or by the time the hominids or humans arrived on the scene. Or, or human-like walking creatures. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, and so, so this, is, this is one of the things we need to think about. If evolutionists are pushing this, that this fact, dinosaurs were long before humans, if we can prove not only biblically but ultimately physically and historically that this is not the case but that humans and dinosaurs did coexist, we're poking some holes in some pretty big evolutionary theory. So and I think there's a common Yeah. Sorry, I think there's a couple of pretty important uh, applications to make to uh, Jeff's uh, uh, story about uh, the school teacher, um, particularly that the idea of her laughing at the students, uh, you know, that's a pretty common response uh, by the world when Christians discuss dinosaurs. Either we are foolish because it's so contradictory for you to believe in the Bible and dinosaurs, or um, that it just disproves the Bible, you know, but it's just, it's just silly for us to think dinosaurs and humans existed at the same time based upon Genesis, the Genesis record. I think we'll get to that maybe in a little bit. Um, but the idea of being able to laugh somebody to silence, I think is pretty powerful. Um, but also, there is the, the other side of that as Christians. We might be tempted to do that with people who have no scientific background, who have no um, real experience. They've not really studied it. They've read it in a textbook or they've read it in the newspaper. And, uh, and as a result of that, they've accepted it. We see that as pretty dangerous but once we try to laugh at somebody to silence them, then really we've ended the debate. We've ended the discussion either way that it goes. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and one of the things that we want to do, I think, in this whole discussion then, is to be fair and honest and handle all of the evidence without bias. Yeah, and that, that's exactly right. And so yeah. let, let's 
get into oh. some, some foundational things. Joe alluded to just a second ago. Uh, l- let's look at what we know as Christians for just a second. For Christians, when we look at Genesis 1 in verse 20, the Bible says, Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and then there was morning, the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. And, uh, and God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. And in verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so we see on days five and six, God created the birds of the heavens, he created the, the, the beasts of the field, and he created man. And so we, uh, and by me I mean Christians, we have faith in God's word, we believe this account, and so for us, it's non-negotiable. God created dinosaurs, God created humans, and they lived at the same time. Exodus twenty eleven. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And so would that include the creation of dinosaurs? Yes. And does that mean that man lived at the same time as dinosaurs? Yes, absolutely. And for Christians, that's all we need. That's it. We have faith in God that this is true. But we do have an ability, and we are going to look at some physical and historical proof that will also corroborate this. But guys, any questions or comments on this? We've got some comments from viewers, but just real quickly, you know, uh, when we start talking about Genesis 1 and what we understand that to say and what we understand that to mean, there are people who would be, who say they are Christians, they're professing uh, believers in Jesus Christ, and they would say, but Genesis 1 doesn't have to be taken as uh, a scientific description of creation. They would say it's more of a metaphor. And they would say it doesn't make sense that. God created things in six days, for example. They would say, um, if God is, is so powerful, why would it take him six days to create everything? Why couldn't he just do it in an instant? And I'm sure God could have done it in an instant. But there are many things God has done in, in certain ways um, for a purpose. Somebody was talking recently about the healing of the blind man when uh, it took two steps for Jesus to heal the man. Um, at first he could only see men walking as trees. And then after that, he could see there was a purpose, uh, in doing it that way. When God created everything in six days and then rested on the seventh day, there was a purpose in doing it that way. And just briefly, it it was because it set up the concept of a day of cessation, a day of rest, which would be, um, perpetuated in the Israelites with their weekly Sabbath and then their then their rest when they came into the promised land. It ultimately looks forward to the idea that man will have a rest to look forward to. So the fact that God could have done this in one day, and yet it says six days, doesn't mean it's mythological. Uh, It just means that God was doing something besides just creating everything. He was also 
communicating some concepts, some ideas, laying some foundation for some future concepts. Sure. Um, just real quick as well, Justin Brewer left a couple of comments that are going to work well with something we're going to talk about in just a little bit. So we're going to come back to his comments in just, in just a second. But he, he brings up a great point about what the science world calls a fact. And we'll come back to that. Okay. You guys, let's look at some evidences. We're going to start off by looking at some historical evidences. And by that, I mean stories and, 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 and stories about what happened and different things that people saw in their day. Now, one thing I want to point out as we get into this, the term dinosaur, and I didn't know this until I, I looked it up. The term dinosaur did not come along until the 1840s which would have been around the time that men and, uh, and women and archaeologists and paleontologists, they were collecting dinosaur remains and fossils and bones and putting them together. And so there really was no need for a term like this exactly. And it actually comes from two Greek words, uh, from the Greek word danos, meaning fearfully great, and the word soros, meaning lizard or reptile. So guys, what you essentially have in this word is fearfully great lizards or reptiles. My question to you all, were there ever stories about fearfully great lizards in, 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 in mankind's history? If so, what do we call those? What, what were those fearfully great lizards? Well, there are certainly a number of uh, examples of that. Uh, I think one of the common words that people would use would be dragons. You know, we have yeah. stories in that regard. Yeah, I, I think so, Jeff or Joe. I, I definitely think that 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 would, to me, be a fearfully great lizard. And if you go throughout history, you can find the multiple accounts of different dragon sightings that all paint a very similar picture that look very familiar to what we would call dinosaurs. And dragon sightings and and the stories about dragons come from all over the world. Um, here here's just one quote from James Perloff. Um, another leading expert on the idea of dragons. He says the flood, meaning the universal flood, Noah's flood, is not the only common remembrance of the world's cultures. Let's just break that apart for a second. All over the world, all over you go, in every culture just about, there is a story similar to the flood account that we read in Genesis 6 through 9. And so that's what he's referring to there. He goes on to say, they also remember dragons. From England to China, these were a long part of national mythologies. The Indians of North and South America had legends about them. They were written of in Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, Greece, Switzerland, Scandinavia, Ethiopia, Egypt, Persia, Russia, India, and Japan. Wow. We, we have dragons today. Yeah? Just what? this morning, I was seeing a BBC production about Komodo dragons. And in this particular production, um, Deer had become scarce, and so the Komodo dragons were taking down a water buffalo. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. So, um, so thinking about this list of countries and recognizing that these legends or stories that have been passed down for, for centuries, um, literally all the way around the world, um, and, I mean, we're pre-internet, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, these stories aren't being just distributed by, you know, uh, they, they don't just have one starting point. Uh, it would seem as if all of these countries or all of these different locations have stories of their own. Yeah. 
And what one guy is reporting about the dragon he saw in China just so happens to be almost identical to the guy in, in, in Egypt. You know, it, it just, it's amazing to me. Uh, another quote from Do- Dr. Carl Schuker, um, another leading expert here. He says, dragons, they, they have been found in an outstanding number of places. Dragons and their near relatives have found niches in every ecosystem on the planet, from the mountains of Greece to the forests of Northern Europe, to the volcanic plain of Mesoamerica, to the river valleys of China, and have as a consequence become deeply embedded in human culture. It's amazing to me. But, yeah. but here's, here's the point I want to make. Chase, why, why are you bringing this up, you know? Well, here, here's the thing. Reports of dragons are universal, but with the evolutionary field and their fact that because dinosaurs preexisted humans, they take all of this evidence about what sounds like dinosaurs and they just throw it out the window because they're operating under this fact, this thing that they know. And so they think, well, this isn't possible. So it has to be myth. Joe, go ahead. Fact. You keep using that word. I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I agree. And uh, Brother Justin Brewer, um, I actually heard him do a lesson on this, and he left us a couple of comments on our Facebook page about this. Uh, he, he says, he adds to the discussion by saying, fact has a meaning unique to the scientific community. And he quotes, stop for a moment and consider that the word fact has a specialized meaning unique for the scientific community. In science, an observation that has been repeatedly confirmed and for all practical purposes is accepted as true. Truth in science, however, is never final, and what is accepted as a fact today may be modified or even discarded tomorrow. And this definition is taken from the National Center for Science Education. Jeff? Yeah, people forget that, and they want to, they want to assume that whatever right now is considered scientific fact is immutable, that that, that has to be. Uh, you were talking about all these cultures that had, have the idea of dragons in, in their, uh, in their, in their what well, you could say, mythology or maybe not mythology. For example, uh, we just had the Chinese New Year uh, just last week, and um, this year is the Year of the Pig. And somebody was making the observation the various animals uh, for the various years in the Chinese calendar, you have the mouse, you have the ox, the tiger, the rabbit, the snake, the horse, the goat, the monkey, the rooster, the pig, the dog, and the dragon. All of those other animals are real things. They're not mythological things. And included in the, and of course, Chinese, Chinese culture is very old, um, and in their, in their culture, going back however many thousands of years, they have this concept of an animal for each year, and one of them is a dragon. Uh, it would seem that, you know, in their culture, that was a real creature of some time. Yeah, and it, it's just amazing, the overwhelming evidence we have of, of dragons, and I think there should be a good explanation for that. Joe, no. did you well, I was going to say, uh, uh, maybe a parallel to, uh, to Justin's good comments about the, uh, the, the word fact, um, you know, Darwinian evolution, for, for example, when, when Jeff was growing up and, and, and when I came along a couple of decades later growing up, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, Darwinian evolution was just, it, it, it was a fact. You had that little chart from National Geographic that showed, you know, the, the progression of walking on all fours to walking on your, your hind feet and, you know, all these other things. And there was just, 
you were you would be laughed at to to dismiss any you know Darwinian evolution, uh, natural mutation, and and so forth. But today, there are literally hundreds of scientists through universities all over the world. Uh, there's a there's a neat list on I think it's discovery.org if I'm not mistaken of scientists and, and universities everywhere that are saying we're skeptical of this. You know, there's there's reason to question this. Even even scientists who do not even scientists who do not believe in God and who do believe that we are here as a result of some kind of natural process, even among those scientists, there are scientists who are saying but Darwinism cannot account for things the right. way they are. Darwinism yeah. isn't the answer. And, and so they end up grasping at other possibilities. And so that's a great point. Whenever we think about this idea of fact from a, uh, from a scientific vantage point, you know, science is not settled. It is far from it, as Justin makes the point here. Yeah. Well, very good, and I appreciate Justin bringing that up. That, that was a great contribution to our uh, discussion here. Well, let's move on to some physical evidence. Um, th- th- this is, to me, one, one of my favorite things to study. Um, I, I will admit up front, I'm not, I'm not a paleontologist. I'm not a biologist, chemist, anything like that. Uh, but, but looking at this evidence, I think, can be really helpful, whether you're a creationist or an evolutionist. Uh, you be the judge what this evidence shows as far as the evidence for coexistence of dinosaurs and humans. Uh, let's start off by talking about the Stegosaurus of Cambodia, guys. Um, this temple in particular was built in 1186 AD is around where they put it, so, so 12th century. And it looks like this. All the pictures on this are coming from Bible.ca. Uh, Dr. Don Patton did quite a bit of work on this. You could go to Bible.ca and type in Stegosaurus, and, and this should come up, or the Temple of Cambodia. And uh, in this temple, zooming in a little bit, some of the remains of this, we are able to see that there are different forms of art and sculpture on the columns and the different walls in this temple. And zooming in a little more, in one section of this temple, there is what looks to be like a stegosaurus carved on the inside of this temple. And this is just not, there's not just one of these, there are multiple of these up and down the wall. And this is another picture that that just zooms in a little further. And the question remains, for as accurate as this is, and excuse me, as close as this is to a stegosaurus, the question is, how do they know what a stegosaurus looks like? Yeah. (laughs) We we don't have, in in my knowledge... A thousand years ago, before the word dinosaur was invented. (laughs) Right. We we don't have people in in the 12th Um, Chase. We, we simply just don't have that. Okay, back up 20 seconds. We, we lost you there for just about 10 seconds. I apologize. So in the 12th century, you don't have people putting together dinosaur bones and trying to figure out what they look like. We don't have any record of that. And so my question is, how does somebody figure out what a stegosaurus looks like? And even if you had the bones, I don't know that you would necessarily have no of a design. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions here that, that bring to my mind some, some skepticism. You know, how did they figure this out? Now, 
Now, you, speaking of skepticism, <clears throat> you know, I believe that God created everything in six days. I believe God made the dinosaurs. But I look at this, and immediately I'm thinking, okay, um, what would somebody who doesn't believe in God say about this? Is there an explanation other than this represents a memory that a culture had a thousand years ago of these animals? Uh, what would somebody say if they thought that's not possible? And so I Googled it. And you don't, it doesn't take long. You come up with an article in Smithsonian Magazine uh, talking about this, or at least it's at Smithsonian's website. And uh, they're talking about this and trying to debunk it. And they're saying, well, this couldn't be a dinosaur um, uh, because dinosaurs didn't exist uh, after 65 million years ago. So uh, it must have been a hoax or it must have been somebody's uh, bad drawing of something else. Or they speculated since this site has been used as a set for various movies Maybe somebody, when they were doing a movie there, went and carved this into the temple. They have no, no basis, no evidence whatsoever for that conjecture other than their presupposition dinosaurs and men did not live at the same time. And, and so this is, a, this is a piece of evidence, just like fossils lying out in, out in a field. This is a piece of evidence to deny the evidence and just sort of make up, you know, some wild possibilities of, of vandalism or something like that is, is really just uh, ignoring uh, the evidence that is before us. Sure. And uh, one of the things Dr. Patton did, um, he, he went to a local university and he got 36 art students to draw a stegosaurus from memory. And 12 of those drawings he put on his website. I'm just going to show you one of them that someone drew, uh, drew from their recollection of what a stegosaurus looks like. And so if someone is operating off of memory as they sculpt this, it wouldn't take a whole lot if you had seen a stegosaurus or had heard a description of a stegosaurus to figure out how to draw it. That's all, that's all I'm trying to say here. And so just an amazing evidence. But again, you be the judge as to what this shows. Either somebody saw a stegosaurus heard about a stegosaurus or something. Um, and so that, I, to me, is, is pretty awesome. Uh, can you guys hear me okay? Is that yeah, yeah. Yep. So the next one we have is the long neck of, uh, of England, England, the long neck of England, uh, which is in the floor of the Carlisle Cathedral, which would have been around the 15th century. Now, again, I'm not trying to suggest that, that we had dinosaurs in the 15th century, but we do have evidence of people who have seen dinosaurs. This would have been in the floor of a tomb, and we're going to zoom in. If you guys can see my mouse, we're going to zoom in right here. These photos are courtesy of creation.com. We're going to see what appears to be a couple of sauropods um, surrounded by a couple of other animals. There's dogs in there. I believe there's a couple of lions as well. And pretty convincing um, sauropods. So you could Google this, um, and I'm sure you're going to find arguments from both the evolutionist side and also the creation side. But both sides agree this is a pretty convincing sauropod. Um, would have been put down in the 15th century, this drawing would have been. And so, again, just for, for people like me that only speak English, 
um, that your word sauropod, does that go, the sora go back to that reptile word that you talked about earlier? I believe it would. I didn't look at the etymology of the word, but I'll, I'll have to double check on that. It seems like that would be the saurus uh, sort so of thing. Just, just to be a little bit specific here, the, the, in the word dinosaur, the sore comes from a Greek word, saura or saure, not sauros. Sauros was a horse mackerel. Uh, has an A or a or a, a long E on the end. Why? Why wouldn't you correct me earlier? I I, I couldn't quite get the word in edgewise. It's because I, I knew, said it. I knew I should have deferred to you in that section. Okay. Uh, wow. It's crazy how off you can be with just one one little pronunciation. Okay. So, uh, well, any other? You guys have any questions or comments on this one? Well, again, this was a part of their of their culture, and you know, there, there's evidence lying there that they had a belief about this. Again, as you stated, along with other animals, just like the Chinese calendar, other animals that clearly existed. So we got a comment. Um, why do you think we see any of these creatures in our time? I think that maybe why do you think we don't see any of these creatures in our time? And then it says, "Don't don't see them today." Yeah, why don't we see them today? I would, I would say, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny here. Uh, I think we do. We may not see the Stegosaurus specifically, and we may not see some of uh, the other dinosaurs the, uh, that 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 you see in Jurassic Park, for example. But we do see such animals as alligators and crocodiles and Komodo dragons. And I'll tell you what: if you just had a description of the ancient world and you weren't told this is a Komodo dragon or this is a crocodile, but you were just told there was this dinosaur and it looked like this and you were, and it was described, its scales were described and its strength was described and so on. And it, and then, and then there, there was this animal and it was described in terms of its shape and its strength and its scales and so far, so forth. And you were given a description of say a crocodile or a Komodo dragon. It would fit right in with with the dinosaurs that we're talking about sure um another one we have and i'll let jeff go into some detail on this one is the apatosaurus of southeastern asia i'm going to click this link uh so everyone can see it it is rock art and rock, rock art is very difficult to date so this is a broad range that they've given here but i'm going to click on this link so you all so the viewers can see the picture of this rock art and you're going to see it in three two one hey that worked out and uh, Jeff, you want to kind of give a breakdown of this? Dinosaur? Yeah, I, I don't know a lot about this. Just what I I just read about it, but um, and you you introduced this to me. But this is a, a rock art or a petroglyph that, at first glance, certainly looks like a sauropod, a, a, a dinosaur, four footed, four legged dinosaur. And uh, the article goes on to talk about an evolutionary biologist named Phil Center who was initially very impressed with this and thought, wow, that does look like a sauropod. Uh, however, then he co-authored a paper uh, in which he argued it's not what it appears to be. Rather, it's two separate petroglyphs uh, that, that really what you have here is an artistic rendering of a snake and mineral stains have caused uh, the rock to become discolored in such a way that it looks like their legs coming down from the center of the snake that gives it the sauropod look. Well, somebody else has gone and he's analyzed this and said, 
the way you created these things was by a technique called pecking, where you took a tool and you chipped out pieces of rock and that that pecking continues down into parts of the, what would be the legs. And so you can't just explain it away as mineral deposits. Um, somebody else has looked at it, somebody who would believe in God's creation of everything and said that it is, uh, it's interesting. It's not the most impressive um, evidence there is of graphic representations of dinosaurs that men have created, suggesting men had uh, knowledge, had remembrance of dinosaurs. Um, all of that to say, uh, all of that to say, there. What we're seeing are are pieces of evidence that appear to indicate, in times past, people, living people on Earth had some kind of memory, uh, cultural or whatever, of dinosaurs, which would be impossible if man only came along in the last couple of million years ago and dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. We're, we're definitely looking at a flaw there. Yeah, And, and so what, what, what you have to do is look at this, this evidence on, in an unbiased manner and, and evaluate it. But what the evolutionists tend to do is say, it can't be a dinosaur why can't it be a dinosaur? Because men and dinosaurs didn't live at the same time. Well, how do you know that? Here's some evidence that would have bearing on that, and you're simply dismissing it by virtue of the conclusion you've already accepted. What they're doing is, in the original meaning of the phrase, they're begging the question. And you know, so well, I'm, I'm just curious, wouldn't the argument for this Utah dinosaur be stronger if only they had found actual dinosaurs in that area? You know, dinosaurs. Joe, it's interesting <laughs> you bring that up. Uh, you can you can research this. Forty five miles north, I believe, of this particular location, they found two. Uh, they found two different um, Apatosaurus remains and fossils of this same exact dinosaur in the same region. And to <laughs> me, that, that's powerful. That, 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 that's kind of hard to ignore when their fossils are lying around there, and somebody clearly, you know, hundreds of years ago made this drawing yeah uh truly an amazing thing for sure um any other thoughts or comments on on this guys well it, it is interesting and i'll also just make this observation that what we've talked about thus far cambodia south uh what southwest asia uh southeast asia um near vietnam i guess um england and utah i mean those are you know really distinct you know very different uh, locations. Yeah, I, 20 minutes at least from each other. At, at least, yes. Uh, another one I would encourage the viewers to look at, but we're not going to take the time to look at, is the dinosaur of northern Arizona. Uh, you should be able to just type that in and rock art and find some information on that one. The, the Jolesrud Collection. Uh, it was What's a, the Jolesrud Collection, Chase? This was a, uh, a guy, um, I believe it was in Central America, um, who paid the natives to start digging, and they ended up finding 33,500 different figurines that were eventually dated from anywhere from 800 B.C. to 200 A.D. And amongst those figurines were some pretty convincing dinosaur figurines. Pretty convincing dinosaur figurines. And you could go to Bible.ca and look at the article on this as well. There's a lot of a lot of nuances that go into that that we don't have time to get into with this. But uh, the first people who dropped in on this site 
uh, and started questioning the man who was who was gathering these. They took two days to look at all of the all of the evidence. They took two days and wrote it off as ridiculous. And I think it was ten or fifteen years later they sent someone else back in because they were skeptical that somebody could spend five hours in a room with thirty three thousand figurines and closely examine them. And they sent in a real team of experts. And this one is one that that really put a rock in the shoe of whether or not co- uh, humans and dinosaurs coexisted, because these are some pretty convincing um, figurines. And then there's also uh, the Ica stones that were found in Peru. Ica stones, they are hard to date. Um, there are some fakes, but there are some that, that were confirmed to being real that also have pictures of dinosaurs depicted on them. And so that's another thing you can research as well is Ica stones um, or isostones. I might not be pronouncing that exactly right. Um, so these are just a lot of physical evidences that I, I think can help you come to this conclusion. Uh, how, how do humans know what they look like if they never assembled them before? How do, how do they get this close to depicting dinosaurs if they had never heard about what they looked like? And so I think it, I think it gives a pretty strong, um, pretty strong pool in the creationist view personally. So let's look at some of the biblical evidence for the coexistence of dinosaurs and humans. Why isn't the word dinosaur in the Bible? Guys, have you all ever been asked that before? Yeah, and, uh, a number of times. And, and, you know, we already talked about that. That, that's a, that word didn't come along until the 19th century. But what we're going to be looking for are perhaps things that the Bible describes or animals that the Bible describes that could be classified as a dragon or a dinosaur. And so a lot of times uh, if somebody does know their Bible well and you ask them, are there dinosaurs in the Bible? They might refer you to Job 40 and Job 41 to Behemoth and Leviathan. And so I'd like for us to spend the rest of our time here um, as well. But guys, do you have any other questions or comments you want to throw in before we get into this? Um, did we did we get to all the questions we had from viewers? Did we? Um... I think I think we're all caught up. Okay. Uh, Holly asked one at the very beginning that I thought was interesting. Um, Jeff, when you looked at those, uh, when you went that fossil dig, were fossils were extinct at that point, right? <laughs> the fossils were extinct. Or the, the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs were extinct. Yeah, dinosaurs were extinct. There were no living dinosaurs wandering around Alberta when we were there. Okay. I think that, that clears up a lot of people's uh, questions they had. So. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, looking, looking at Job 40 and 41, this is, of course, where we're going to get into some of the details about Behemoth and Leviathan. One of the things that's interesting about this is a lot of people look at the descriptions of these two creatures and they say they must be mythological, that they can't be real. And so contextually speaking, guys, what things might hint to this section talking about real creatures of God? Take us through it. I think one of them, uh, just right off the bat, whenever the Bible starts describing behemoth, in chapter 40 and verse 15, God says, Behold now behemoth, which I made as well as you. Now, in this chapter, and in the chapter prior, God is helping Job to see how great and magnificent he is by taking him through creation and through the things he's made to prove his point of how great God is and how great he is. 
Uh, he used the ostriches in chapter 39. He uses the horse in chapter 39 as well. And he uses the eagle as well in uh, chapter 39 and verse 26. And he goes on in chapter 40 to use behemoth. And so God's point is, look at how great these things are. I made them, now know how great I am. And so if God is talking about mythological creatures in chapter 40 and 41, to me at least, that would negate his whole point. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. And yeah, I so I, I, don't, I don't understand why we would write these off as mythological then. But guys, questions or comments there? Well, in 40, 42 and verse 2, Job's response is, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Uh, you know, that's Job's response to these statements. If I had, if I made a comment that, hey guys, I am so strong uh, and so powerful that I can ride a unicorn, you, you would think, that's, that, that's silly. I would say, in your dreams, and that would be the appropriate comment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you wouldn't use some, some fictitious creature to describe how powerful you are or whatever, you know, this would not be the 42.2 would not be the appropriate response if these uh, creatures were, were mythological. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And so let's dig into this a little bit, guys. Behemoth, I've often heard different commentators. I, I, I grabbed all the books off of my shelf. A lot of them think behemoth is a hippopotamus. And I want to show three things that bother me about this. Okay. Behemoth in chapter 40 and verse 17 is described as he bends his tail like a cedar. And I'm going to warn everybody, there's an unpleasant image that is about to come across your screen, okay? This is a bunch of hippos and their tails. News alert, hippo tails are six to eight inches long. Do any of these tails to you look like a cedar? Very, very small cedars. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> That that bother, I don't I don't see it. Um, a couple other things that is said about Behemoth. He is chief of the ways of God, or uh, as the New American Standard says, I've got the King James on the PowerPoint there. The New American Standard says he is the first of the ways of God. When you think about just how massive dinosaurs are, go to a museum and look at a T Rex or an Apatosaurus or something like that. When you look at how massive they are, if you were to tell me when God was describing them and said they are the chief of the ways of God, I would believe you. But if I looked at a hippopotamus, I don't know if I would say as much. Uh, so if you really do look at an apotosaurus um, and think along those lines, it's powerful. I, I will say this. If you're on the other end of the hippopotamus and he's got his mouth open, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> and I'm not at all putting down the hippopotamus. They're, they're amazing creatures. But I do think that... Uh, as, as the text talks about them, you know, who can approach them? Verse 19 and verse 24, I personally think it might fit the category of a dinosaur. Maybe an apotosaurus, I'm not going to push that too hard, but just look at how massive this creature is. Definitely has a tail like a cedar, um, and so just amazing. And uh, lastly, just So, so that, that, that last chart is in meters. Uh, translate that for me to the feet approximately for the apotosaurus. Uh, would that be like 70 feet? Is that, is that right? 23 meters is going to be roughly three feet per meter, a little more. So three times 23 is going to be 69. So call it 70 feet long. Okay. 70 feet long. Yeah. That's, that's huge. 
And of course, they've got a man standing there who's about probably a little under six feet tall, just to kind of give you a two scale um, image. Yeah. So, so again, if you're talking seven meters, you're talking roughly, you're talking about 21 feet tall. Right. Um, so anyways, that, that's my thought on that. Um, we're, we're looking next at Leviathan for just the last second. Many Bibles might even say that it's a crocodile. Um, but again, who can approach this thing? In chapter 41, can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Who can approach this thing? And guys, I've got another unpleasant picture up because it shows my pasty legs in it. But this is a picture from my senior year of high school, and I am sitting on an alligator. Now, granted, let, let me just pause for a second. This alligator is all of but five feet, four feet long. They've got the mouth tape shut. But throughout that day at Gatorland in Florida, I saw a whole bunch of alligators a whole lot bigger than that. And those men that worked there had them tamed, and they were approaching them and feeding them. And so they were approachable. Uh, another thing, who can hunt these things? In verse 26 of 41, the sword that reaches him cannot avail, nor the spear, the dart of the javelin. Uh, verse 29, clubs are regarded as stubble. He laughs at the rattling of the javelin. His underparts are like sharp, sharp potsherds. Can, can, I, can I interject something right here? Yeah. The question, who can hunt? Obviously a, a rhetorical question, right? So here's a description from the first century of hunting crocodiles. And this is Dionysius, um, Diodorus of, of uh, Diodorus Siculus, Diodorus of Sicily. In early times, so he's writing in the first century and talking about even earlier times, the Egyptians used to catch these beasts with hooks baited with the flesh of pigs. But since then, they have hunted them sometimes with heavy nets as they catch some kinds of fish and sometimes from their boats with iron spears, which they strike repeatedly into the head. So he is talking about hunting crocodiles, and yet what we're reading here, and I don't know what the Leviathan is. I don't know if it's a dinosaur, but it is, it is a significant point. The point is you can't hunt these, but they did hunt crocodiles. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, lastly, uh, it points out that it's fire breathing. That's what does it in for me, guys. I, I, when I was at Gatorland, I didn't see any crocodiles or alligators breathing Wait fire. a minute, Chase. You're saying you believe in fire. Oh, we're past time. We, you, real quick, you believe in fire-breathing creatures? You believe there's some kind of animals that could breathe fire? I do. Look at this bombardier beetle. Shoots 212-degree acidic spray from its abdomen. Yeah. And so if we can believe that God can do this, what he can do with fireflies, what he can do with a Komodo dragon – and all the other amazing creatures he made, who are we to doubt that he can make a creature that can breathe fire? And so I'll end with what Holly Green said. It's amazing to think that God is bigger than these. God also asked Job if he can play with Leviathan. God is greater than all these animals. He is our creator, our sustainer, and our protector, and we should always look to him. But any questions or comments, you can feel free to email me, cdbuyers33 at yahoo.com, or just direct them to Jeff. <laughs> That's probably where I'll forward them to. Anyway, so, uh, anyways, thanks, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Take care.